Hey, gang. So uh, it's December and the holidays are here. And I, I want to let you know that now is a great time to support your local public radio station. Your support right now goes a really long way. I mean, the stuff you hear on NPR podcasts isn't simple. You know, they're a complex web of historical context and science and law and money and politics and emotion. And that's what public radio does. We explain, we probe, we follow, we fact check, we explain again. Conversations on NPR give you perspective, new ways to shed light on what goes on in the world. Support the thoughtful journalism that you rely on. Visit donate.npr.org slash bullseye to give, then share how this show helped you understand this year with hashtag WhyPublicRadio. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's easy when the holidays roll around to put a nice sepia tone on that time of year. You think back to your childhood holidays and the bad stuff that happened, the disappointing gifts, family fights. Maybe it all kind of gets washed out with that warm, loving glow. Or maybe your memory of Christmas's past are a bit more like Andy Richter's. The ones that I really remember, uh, my stepfather had a plumbing business, so we had some uh, Christmases that were just an orgy of consumerism and then a couple that were, you know, and then the next year it would be sort of like, well, Santa's had has it rough this year, I guess. North Pole wasn't getting any shipments. Oh, it's bullseye. <laughs> Coming up, Andy Richter talks about family, holidays, and more. He'll also confirm what you probably knew already. The Charlie Brown Christmas special is a total bummer. And so many of the jokes are like, the punchline is, <laughs> like, well, I have hope and excitement. Oh, yeah? <laughs> then I'll talk with Jane Lynch, the comedian and actress from Glee and Best in Show and all that other stuff. She has a new Christmas album that just came out. She likes the holiday plenty now, but back when she was a kid, Jane Lynch didn't mess around. I used to love it as a kid. I had this thing about wanting to get the Christmas spirit when I was a kid, and I used to dim the lights and turn on the Christmas tree and turn on the music and sit there and wait for it to come, and then, you know, it wouldn't come. Plus, holiday advice from the creators of My Brother, My Brother and Me. And me and the Pop Rocket crew will cook you up a hot list of must-see holiday movies. And... There will be some talk about Die Hard. There's, it's like it's just completely obligatory at this point. That's all coming up on Bullseye. Let's go. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Like a sweet holiday onion, there are a lot of layers to Mr. Andy Richter. There's the Andy Richter you probably know, the longtime sidekick to Conan O'Brien, the actor with memorable roles on Arrested Development or in Cabin Boy. The star of Andy Richter controls the universe. He's a really funny guy. He's also a sincere lover of the holidays, pretty much however you celebrate them. He was gracious enough to come by last year to talk about all that with me. To get in the spirit, let's take a listen to a little holiday bit from Andy on Conan on TBS. This doesn't really need that much setup. It's called Andy's Holiday Scam Watch. 
And you guessed it, Andy is about to tell us about some classic Yuletide scams. Thank you, Conan. This first one's called The Letter Trick. Your children start writing letters to Santa Claus asking for things like Game Boys and hoverboards. Well, you don't want to disappoint him, so you buy those things. Santa gets all the credit and you're out 600 bucks. Scale! That's not really a scam. This next scam is called <laughs> The Parent Trap. Andy Richter, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Uh, it's taken me long enough. What's my problem? You've been. You were on. You. We talked when you when Conan moved to TBS. You. Were oh, on that's the show. right. But that was a million years ago before you moved before into I these had palatial. My own, had my own office. That's right. That was when we were in a sweaty bedroom. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. <laughs> now we're in this sweaty murder box. Yeah, yeah. Um, the portable studio in that's which we right. record the show now. Are you a Christmas lover? I am. I am. I really do love it. And I am a, a pretty, pretty devout agnostic. So, uh, you know, I'm one of those that just is, I don't care what's it, what it's about. I just think hanging lights on your house is great. I think getting a contact high from kids is great. I think setting aside a time of year that's kind of magical if you live in a snowy place because... The snowiness is still new and magical enough. It's not February. You know, it's not like it's not like when you get a when you get an ice storm in February where it's not so romantic. An ice storm on December 23rd, it can be deadly and and but it can but it still feels like oh, there's a transformative force in the universe that turned our whole world into a frosted mini-wheat. Uh, <laughs> I like that you're willing to forgive a couple of deaths if, eh, for the majesty of Christmas. Come on, old people, probably. Right. Froze to death, there's worse ways to go. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be euphoric. I didn't say deaths. You said no, deaths. No, you said it could be deadly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I said could. I, it could be not deadly, too. I, I left that possibility open. Did your family get along at, at Christmas when you were a kid? Mostly. They, they were very up and down because of uh, dysfunction and dissolution and alcoholism and fighting, you know, and just marriages breaking up and things like that that, that sort of threw a wrench into the works. And also, too, Christmas is um, – they were very up and down depending on the economy as my stepfather – my parents divorced when I was four. So I don't even really have a lot of recollections of Christmases prior to that that I, that, that I can really be sure are actual memories and not manufactured ones based on photographs right. or home movies. The ones that I really remember, uh, my stepfather had a plumbing business. So we had some uh, Christmases that were just – an orgy of consumerism and then a couple that were – you know, and then the next year it would be sort of like, well, Santa's had has it rough this year, I guess. North Pole wasn't getting any shipments this year, so. <laughs> One of the great things about Christmas as an adult is that you have so much more agency – and you can create your own family. Yes. You can choose what it is that you want to celebrate and honor. Yes. Well, after getting past 
after getting past. Well, I don't, you know. Maybe it, after 30 or so. Well, and, and also ha- after getting past kind of uh, informing the people that think there's an obligatory kind of like, well, you got to be here. You got to do this. And you kind of think, no, I've built my own family and, and we have a different set of rules. And it's still hard to disappoint people. Yeah. I mean, I'm 50. And I, and it's still hard for me to disappoint some people about. But I just always hope that they know that, like, no, I love you, but I just kind of we're not going to be there for that thing. Or we're, you know, it's a pain in the ass to get on a plane in the last, you know, in Christmas week. And so maybe we'll see in January, that kind of thing. And it's it's. uh you know, but I also too. I I live in Los Angeles because it's where you know it, it's uh, the particular kind of ore that I mine. Uh, the the, the right. veins in the earth are much richer here than anywhere else. But I also live here because um, because I I need some distance. I need distance, and not not just from family or friends or history or a geography I, I i you know i i need distance in my in my everyday life from you know i'm i'm i've always been like in college when you went into a, co- a classroom and got to sit wherever you wanted you know before, if i would be the one that even if people were sort of clustered into one part i'd I'd sit separate. I'd be a satellite to the rest. And I've always just kind of been that way. When Now when the Conan show travels, I say, where's everybody staying? What hotels? And usually there's kind of the crew hotel. Is it, it's a, And it's nice. It's a nice hotel. But then there's the really nice hotel that sort of the dignitaries would stay in. And that would be where I – but I, I always say, now nah, I'll stay like – I'll I'll pick a third option. I'll I'll Google for five minutes and find a third option, because I just when I get off the clock, I need some sense of separation and autonomy. And it's not it's not part and parcel of any one situation. It's part and parcel of every situation in my life. I just you know get your claws off of me it's always been sort of a an undercurrent to me like i need some room to breathe look the bell just rang it's time for me to go and be away from you let's talk some more about christmas what christmas things on television or in movies did you love as a kid i was not a kid but it still is my favorite and actually my daughter and i just watched it for about the 30th time just two nights ago, because we were home, uh, just the two of us, and it's Pee Wee Herman's Christmas special. Oh yeah, I love it so much. Is the best, the best. I could, I will watch it another hundred times in my lifetime, because it is so joyful, it is so wonderful, so weird, so perfect. But now that's one of my favorites. I still do love all the Rankin Bass ones. I feel like they used to hold my attention. It's much harder for them to hold our children's attention because our children's attention span has been so chopped down that they kind of they need constant action. I, I tried think. to I tried to watch uh, the Peanuts holiday special. Yeah, um, 
uh, and the the Christmas Charlie the Christmas Brown Christmas, one, yeah. yeah, and it's beautiful. Yes, it is very boring, very boring, and a bummer. Yeah, a bummer. I mean, it's really it's genuinely beautiful, and that's a very rare quality in children's entertainment. And yes. I feel as though I should give it full credit for that. Yes, uh, it is also boring. Yes, yes it is. It is. <laughs> I mean, it, it may well be worth it. Again, mm-hmm. I just really want to be clear. I know that I'm. This is a childhood icon of. I think it might be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Even just for the beautiful, beautiful music. But yes, but yes, it is astonishing that when there was no other choices on television, you could be that boring and yes. retain an audience of children. Yeah. Well, and you know, and the Rankin Bass ones are that way too. Like, there's just lots of shots of people going from in all children's entertainment that we accepted as as entertaining. Just lots of shots of people going from one place to another, which you know they <laughs> yes. they, they cut all that out now. I just was watching. There's so many shots in the Peanuts one of just like a totally static screen where six characters are not moving at all. Yeah. One character's feet are moving slightly and he's sliding across the screen. Yeah, yeah. And the shot lasts for 25 seconds. Right, right. And they also, too, it's it's little chunks of what are were obviously four-panel bits. You know, they're just lifted jokes from the thing. And so many of the jokes are like, the punchline is... <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I have I have hope and excitement. Oh yeah. <laughs> like Charles Schultz, uh, there we would not have peanuts if there had been Prozac in Charles <laughs> Schultz's life. There just wouldn't be. How do you think your kids Christmas is different from your Christmas? Well, intact family uh-huh. uh, is number 1. Uh but less less extended family. There's no church. And like, like most people, that was one of the few days we went to church. Uh, I don't think that there's any kind of diminished quality to it. The continuity that they've had, I, I, I just, and it, it's not anybody's fault or anything, but it's really something to have uh, parents that are still. I mean, my wife and I have been married for twenty-two years now, and and. Uh, that's I'm 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 very glad of that, and I and I'm very glad that my kids kind of get to enjoy the just the intrinsic benefits of that, the kind of the just the the, the feeling that it gives them. Being married for 22 years is it's it's work, and it's it's certainly not a, a you know a walk through the park, but. It'd be one thing if it was 22 years of two people who were sick of each other, but it's not. It's 22 people, 22 years of people who still love each other very much and are still very much partners in all aspects of their life. So uh, that makes a Christmas merrier, I think. One of the things about Christmas is that it is a celebration of continuity. Yes. It's that every year, there's every year the seasons change, every year there's. Christmas. Uh-huh. In some ways, it's a celebration of things like being married for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does sometimes, though. Sometimes no. you think about divorce. No, well, yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, well, you know, driving by an apartment building near our house and think like, well, I guess, you know, I guess I could live there. 
I mean, I'd still be able to, you know, I could walk over to the house and still drive everybody to school, uh, walk the dogs if necessary. Um, now that my, now, especially now, like my, my, well, actually my son just turned 16 today. Uh, happy birthday, William. Um, he's 16. My daughter's 11. With the passage of time, there is now, you know, they're not little kids anymore. And actually my daughter just, just this year gave up Santa Claus. I mean, it was forced to because she was, she held on to a belief in Santa Claus for a long time. I think stubbornly, I think kind of knew, knew the jig was up, but still was like, still pushed through. My daughter came to my wife, and this is when I was at work, uh, and and said she came up to her and said, "Mom, you're the tooth fairy, aren't you? You're the one that puts the money under my pillow." And Sarah said that because she was looking her right in the eye, she couldn't lie to her, you know. And she also was, she she just couldn't lie to her when you look, you know. It, if you if you have a policy of not looking your children in the eye and lying to them. It's hard to break that policy. And she said, yeah, you're right, honey. I, I am the tooth fairy. And uh, she said, my daughter flipped out, went crazy, crying. Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. Crying and so upset and totally out of the blue. My wife threw my a reaction my wife was not expecting trying to calm her down and calm her down. And then she said, uh, she said, she's crying and saying like, what else has a, you know, a lie. And I can't believe it. I feel so stupid that I believe this. And she said, well, daddy's not Santa Claus, is he? And my wife went, no, no, no. Santa's real. Santa's real. (laughs) And so she told me this and and then I came home and I knew about it and and my wife, you know, I got home and my wife, I saw my wife and she's like, oh boy, wow, was that a shock that that, and my daughter came downstairs and she said to me, did you hear? I said, yeah, I heard. And then she said, I just, she said, I just am so upset by it. I didn't know it was, re- I didn't, I should have known. And then she said to me, she said, daddy, are you Santa Claus? Is Santa Claus real? And there again, I was looking her in the eye. She's 10 years old. I said, yeah, honey, I'm Santa Claus. I said, well, mommy and I, there's Santa, there isn't a Santa Claus. Oh, boy. Oh. Just awful. Just awful. And there again, she's like, I feel so stupid. I can't believe I believed it for so long. And kids, it's... Because I was also thinking, you know, some jerk at school, some kid is going to is gonna ruin it anyway, you know, and I just, and like I said, I just couldn't lie to her. I just couldn't look her in the eye and lie to her. And she would, you know, she ended up being okay with it and kind of like later laughing about it. But, you know, it was not easy to sort of, you know, disavow them of the notion of, uh, disavow her of the notion of magic. But all the reason the reason I bring it up is because it it is uh, the passage of time and the continuity is a wonderful thing about Christmas. But it is kind of 
it does put a container on it. Like you, it is, it is a ticking off, you know, like how many more Christmases do we have with my son as a resident in our house? And how many more Christmases do we have of toys under the tree? You know, when does it become, you know, just sweaters and iPhones? I mean, it's already kind of gone that way. Well, Andy, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Andy Richter, ladies and gentlemen, catch him on pretty much every episode of Conan on TBS, uh, one of the most consistently funny shows on television, and he is a joy on it. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Andy Richter. Uh, uh, Seriously, I love Andy Richter. Get yourself some Andy Richter in your life. More of the Bullseye Holiday Special after a quick break. Still to come, holiday advice from our friends the McElroy brothers, plus swinging Christmas carols from Jane Lynch. Stay with us. Support for this podcast and this message comes from 2020, where creatives get inspiring, authentic stock photos. Unlike traditional staged stock photos, 2020 has millions of real-world images your audience will actually engage with, all under a simple royalty-free license. Today, 2020 is offering Bullseye listeners a seven-day free trial of five photos. Monthly subscription begins after seven days. To start your trial, go to 220.com slash bullseye. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. You know, Bullseye has a sister show, Pop Rocket. It is a pop culture panel discussion, and two of those panelists are here with me. Uh, novelist and journalist Margaret Wappler. Hey, Margaret. Hi there. It's and good to be here. Digital strategist Winter Mitchell. Hey, pal. Hello, hello. Okay, let's talk about Christmas movies because this is the holiday. Uh, this is the holiday special of Bullseye. First of all, the first question I think is: What actually constitutes a holiday movie or a Christmas movie? Does it have to be set at Christmas time, or does it have to be about? Christmas time, or Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa, or your preferred winter holiday. My aunt, so, my aunt, literally sends out cards that say "Happy Solstice," happy all of it. Yeah, that's some, that's some Oakland stuff. I think it has to either be set around Christmas or it has to be somehow about Christmas. One or the other. You think either way? Yeah. Winter, you must feel that way because one of one of your favorite Christmas movies you've written is Die Hard. <laughs> Listen, the whole concept of a holiday movie is it has to do with family, discord, acrimony, or harmony, and it has to be set, obviously, around the winter time season. So do you have to have, like, twinkling Christmas trees, or can it just be snow on the ground? I like, well, Die Hard clearly doesn't have any snow on the ground. I it To me, it was the synthesized, the reason why... Die Hard is one of my choices. The reason why is because I've yet I very rarely see a West Coast focused Christmas theme, and it was very much like we're on the West Coast. Christmas is happening, 
but it's also sort of, you know, the yeah. way we do it. It's muted. We're it's never going to get snow on the ground. No, so we don't get that whole thing. No, we don't get that. We've never, I've never had that, a Christmas like that. So I don't know anything about it. I did. I watched Die Hard maybe a year or two ago. Okay. Um, for the first time since I was maybe a teenager, mm-hmm. and I had a great time. It really uh, holds up. It really is one of the strongest of its genre. You yes. know that kind of classic '80s action film. It's fantastic. It is a really fun movie that moves well even 25 years later. I also have to say the one thing besides being a great holiday movie and sort of upending the genre altogether is that. It's Bruce Willis's movie. It's also Alan Rickman's movie, but it's Bruce Willis's movie. I honestly feel like he empowered Arnold Schwarzenegger to start becoming a bit more of a caricature of himself because mm-hmm. it was like he was quippy and he was but he was dutiful and he knew his job and he had a focus and he was it was con- getting with his family. Now Margaret, you have also sort of <laughs> Uh, gone whole hog in the <laughs> category of alternative Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can't wait to see her picks. Well, Margaret, <laughs> I'm looking at a piece of paper that says that your favorite holiday movie is Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> you did not. The late period. Merry Christmas. There's nothing like a masked orgy to welcome in the holiday season. Oh, my God, Waffler. <laughs> Gee, another family discord scenario. This is another movie where it's all about getting back home to your wife. It's the same thing in a sense as Die Hard, where we have a couple who are in Manhattan and the movie starts out with them going to a Christmas party. And at the Christmas party, some things happen on on both ends between Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise that that puts their relationship into question and sends Tom Cruise on this psychosexual nightmare. And throughout the movie... Merry which Christmas. is Christmas exactly, which is Christmas to me. Happy holidays. Throughout the movie, you see Christmas trees stuffed into just about every available corner. Yeah. In fact, like the red and green saturated tacky Christmas lights are, are often beaming down on the characters as they're going through things psychologically. And it's it's perfect use of Christmas in a sense, because when you're not having a good Christmas, there's nothing more alienating than all of that crap and yes. cheer around you. Let's talk about uh classic traditional christmas and holiday film fair sure you guys both have offered us alternatives cynics choices <laughs> um realist i prefer realist do you like to sit around and watch it's a wonderful life or uh the charlie brown christmas special well I will say that when I finally did sit down to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that's it, right. I actually was like, this is a really good movie. Yeah. I was taken with it. It's charming and it's deep. But I didn't expect that because I would just see like little snippets on TV and be like, this just looks boring and hackneyed. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. It's I think worth it. I think I have a, a TV VCR at my cabin where I'm going to be spending Christmas and I do have it on VHS. I made sure to buy it. Good. Jesse, dive in. What about... Elf. I mean, Elf is a contemporary Christmas film that I think is really funny and really delivers. It's a real solid three, three and a half star movie with a Christmas theme (laughs) that you can watch. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a perfect film, but like, it's really enjoyable and it's very funny. It's definitely given him, I think, Will Ferrell, like a place in the Christmas, you know, pantheon. Pantheon. 
It's worked for him. Why he didn't merch off that, I don't know. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit from Elf. So in this scene, mm-hmm. Buddy the Elf, which is Will Ferrell's character, is uh, <laughs> working at a fake Santa's workshop in New York City in a big department store. It's his first day. He just met his boss. Um, and, and his boss is announcing to all of the, the shoppers there that Santa's coming the next day. <gasps> wow. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Sign this for me. Make work your favorite is a line I completely forgot. And I remember seeing it in the theater and just howling. Phase on love, man. Make work your favorite. Okay, here's a question, because I, I don't want to leave on a positive note here. <laughs> we don't want to do that. No. We don't know what that. are the classic Chris- Christmas entertainments that just don't work for you? I'm kind of done with everything. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen everything like a hundred times. I grew up with traditional Christmases. And then as the matriarchs pass on, as the patriarchs pass on, my parents were never stoked about Christmas. I can remember like... Seven out of 18 of my first 18 Christmases being like totally on point and the rest being like, eh, yeah, it's, it's Christmas. Here you go. So there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> traditional stuff. I think the one that you can watch because you know all the words and it makes sense and it's easy and it's funny and it does its job. Home Alone. It's mm. just it's just it's Home Alone. And then A Christmas Story. As if TNT and TBS will forever play those movies 24 hours uh, I'd be fine with that on my our, deathbed. Our producer, Kevin Ferguson, took a bold and strong stand against A Christmas Story. Well, I was just going to say, that's the one that I would kick out of the canon. Are you crazy? I think you need to see it again. It's like now. It is kind of boring and like a little sexist in parts. It was 1940s. Like, I know. But you like... know that that movie was not made in the 1940s, no. though, right, Winter? <laughs> It's just set. I just love that he clearly is suffering from anxiety disorder, untreated. And the the absolute need and necessity to be cool and not bullied and have a gun seems like Christmas for a lot of us in this country. (laughs) I I just, I feel like it still works. Plus, uh, Darren McGavin, such a good dad. Such a great dad. Just kind of like the dad. When he gets the leg, that whole sequence with the <laughs> leg lamp, just so, oh, when it breaks, his heart is broken. Just like that felt like to me, they feel most realistic to my family. Most realistic. Because like when all hell breaks loose and after all, the, the turkey is just not going to work, Chinese restaurant ends up being the best thing ever. And then they actually see through his passion and give him the damn gun. You know what I mean? That's Winter Mitchell's true spirit of Christmas. <laughs> Get that shotgun. <laughs> Get it fast. Beg for it from everyone in town. The teacher, the Santa at the mall. 
let everyone know I need a gun <laughs> ASAP for Christmas. Suddenly it does seem very American, See? doesn't it? See? See? Winter Mitchell, Margaret Wappler, panelists on our sister show, Pop Rocket. Thank you so much for joining us with a few of your favorite and, and a few of your least favorite holiday films. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And I ho, imagine ho, ho. this conversation will probably be continued over on Pop Rocket, right? Yes, Say yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. yes, of course. Absolutely. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. So when I need advice, guidance, and life, I always turn to my friends at the podcast, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. It's an advice show. It's hosted by three real-life brothers, Justin Travis and Griffin McElroy. And, you know, the holidays are a very fraught time for all of us. So I thought I would open things up to our listeners and theirs and uh, have them offer a little bit of holiday advice. Hi, McElroy's. How are you? Good, Jesse. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for that enthusiastic holiday greeting, Griffin. I've had I'm 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 slopped on that nog, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I don't actually. What does that mean? I think I, I think that meant that I had drank a lot of eggnog, and now I'm drunk at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. Sloppy drunk too, not yeah, just drunk. Apparently. Sloppy drunk, like he just, really. He, and he, you knew we had this recording, Griffin. Yeah, it's my. I, I, the problem is I love the flavor of it, and so I drink a lot of it, and then I, I turn around and I'm slopped on the nog. Griffin, my biggest concern is that I do not believe there was alcohol in that nog. No, it's I'm lactose intolerant, so it goosed me up in a different way. <laughs> Let's get into the questions. Uh, here's one from Fumbling in Florida. I've had my current job for almost eight months. I work at a small office, and I'm generally seen as a very helpful and useful person. I've never had an office job like this before, and given that it's me and my two bosses, I'm not sure what the holiday gift-giving rules are here. Is it like Teacher Appreciation Day, and I give them a mug or a chocolate rose? gift cards do i need to do anything at all help me what should fumbling in florida be giving uh to his or her two bosses oh this is awkward jesse did you include this question because you're our boss at at max fun and you would like (laughs) us to get you something yes a chocolate rose specifically that will let you know that you uh that we've chosen you to remain on the bachelorette (laughs) my first concern frankly is that fumbling in florida was giving his or her teachers chocolate roses Mm -hmm. yeah that's a lot i got them edible underpants is that okay (laughs) i it sounds like this the arrangement is it's you and you have two bosses and that is everybody that works in the office so the only thing i have to go on is you would get them presents like um i give my dad presents which is to say just a recent picture of myself and then of just a scan of a recent report card just to let him know, like, I'm doing very good and I'm growing up good and strong. Yeah, I think you'd – okay, this is the magic of the giving of gifts at the holiday season. I don't think you're obligated to give your boss's presents. I don't think it's a thing, like, that's going to come up in your yearly performance review or anything. And that means when you do do it, you can put the least amount of thought and effort into it and still make an impact. Like, the fact that you did anything at all – will seem like, oh, oh, I didn't expect a chocolate rose. Thank you so much. Could you bake something, you baker? Hey, <laughs> are you listening? Can you talk back? Question, are you a baker? Because uh, I think baking treats is always nice because it really comes from the heart. It doesn't cost a lot, but it really shows that you care. 
What about if you put it in a holiday tin? Oh, well, that's, oh, that's really yeah. festive, Jesse. Thank you. I think a holiday tin, as Jesse suggested, uh, perhaps a non-denominational one would be ideal. Perhaps a, a nice winter scene, something a, a Thomas Kincaid sort of inspired holiday tin. Or just an old butter cookie tin. Just, <laughs> sure, those are very useful. That shows you care about the environment, recycling. That's very on trend. Thank you, Travis. Here's something from Keeping It Christmassy in Canada. Settle the classic debate for me. Real tree or artificial? I have I have very strong feelings on this because when I was a kid, I stepped on a pine needle and I didn't know it. And part of it became embedded in my foot and was there for months and yeah. became severely infected. And I had to go to the hospital. Travis is Travis is half sap now. I I am I do do a real tree every year though I'm I have a few major issues with it. Number one, I have sort of customized my life so that it reflects my unique skill set, my uniquely limited skill set, and I don't I'm not put in situations a lot where I'm having to fake knowledge about something, but certainly evaluating trees at the tree store when I have to look at several dozen trees and say, mm, no, good, 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 very good. That's going to flesh out nicely. I'm really unqualified to do that. And I, I usually just end up relying on my wife. Um, the other big issue that I have with it is uh, once the tree is on, my wife won't let me run any other errands to sort of double down on being out of the house and trying to knock two birds out with one stone on our most recent excursion to pick up a tree. I had my heart set on some Long John Silvers, and my wife <laughs> told me that I was not allowed to go through the drive-thru at Long John Silvers with a tree on top of the car because, quote, it would be weird. And I really pressed her hard on this one because I really wanted to know what the crime was in just driving around with a tree on your roof and getting some delicious crispy fish. Uh, but she, she couldn't back it up, but she has very strong feelings about that. We'll continue our conversation with the crew from My Brother, My Brother and Me after a short break. Still coming up, what do you get for the person who literally does not want anything this year? It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey, real quick, I've been doing this a while, um, and something that I've learned is that folks like you really care about these shows. You love to listen. You love your stories. It's a personal connection to the world. So why not keep that love alive? Visit donate.npr.org slash bullseye to give. Then tell the world why you are passionate about listening by tweeting or posting on Facebook with hashtag WhyPublicRadio. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the McElroy brothers, Justin, Travis, and Griffin. Together they host the advice podcast, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And we are taking your pressing holiday questions right now. Here's something from Confused in Carson City. Is it okay to still get someone a present after they asked you not to? Should I hold off until their birthday or go through with it despite their protests? It, it depends on how they said it. Mm. If they said it like this, like, no, 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 you don't, you don't have to, you don't, we don't have to get each other presents. Is it? Yes, you should get them a present. But if they were like, don't get me a present i don't want it i don't want to celebrate christmas i don't want to pre then you shouldn't like it all depends on how they said it and why they don't want why do you not want presents <laughs> nobody doesn't like getting things it's excellent it's truly excellent it's one of the it's one of the most excellent things in life is to get a thing 
<laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand why you don't want, want this. Yeah, it's beautiful that moment when you realize that it used to be theirs and now it's yours. <laughs> There's nothing better. It's like a little quickening every time. In, in my house right now, I have 619 things. I always have a running tally in my head of how many things I have. Somebody wants to Christmas is a time when people roll up and they're like, "Here is a sum total like 36 new things." And I'm like, "What? This rules. This is so great. I'm going to add this to the total, to the tally." And then when I die, I'll I'll end up on the leaderboards somewhere. I'm imagining that leaderboard that Griffin was describing. In my mind, it's housed on a table version of Miss Pac-Man in a pupusa restaurant by where I grew up. Yeah, every time that you go to Griffin's house, you actually can't begin your visit until he makes you visit. Uh, he calls it the bobble wing. And it's just <laughs> shelves of bobbles and knickknacks that he's obtained over, the, over the, that 12 months. It's sort of like a dragon's hoard. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's something from Wondering in Winnetka. For Christmas, I'm flying home to Rhode Island from Los Angeles to surprise my dad. The problem is he wants to mail me presents so we can open them over Skype together. How can I convince Ooh. my dad to not send me Christmas presents without letting him know something is up? That's a good one. I'm assuming he's not a bullseye listener because uh, the jig is up. <laughs> Really you're going to have to get you're going to have to ship your your dad to <laughs> Los Angeles to Los Angeles. You have to get your dad from Rhode Island to Los Angeles. You guys fly past each other in the sky and then oops, we did the thing that happens on TV sometimes where we I came to your house, you came to my house. What? Well, grab the presents that you sent me while you're there and then you fly home, please. I'm going to stay here, though. I'm going to stay here in Rhode Island, though. Let me let me, uh, let me, me pitch something. This is what I would do. You're going to have to do an undercut surprise. I want you to tell your dad that you are coming in, but you won't be able to come in until the new year. And so oh. you want him to just hold on to your presents. Oh. Right? So then he's holding on to your presents so you can open them together. That way he kind of, like, he knows why he's holding on to them. But boom, there you are, Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, Dad. I came early. That kind of idea. You could take it one step further and say that you're going to be in for Christmas, but you're not going to be able to visit him. You have a lot. And if you could just leave the presents on the porch. You'll I've got a lot of commitments, Dad. Uh, yeah. You'll get them at your convenience. Why leave it at you won't be able to visit him? Why not kick it up to you don't care to visit him? Mm -hmm. I'm only enjoying your company. I, this I visit, could, Dad. Papa. I'm going to spend Christmas Day sitting in a hotel room just down the street from you. <laughs> I want you to know that. How difficult would it be to get your father on some sort of terror watch list so that any packages he attempts to send through the mail are immediately returned to sender? It would specifically have to be a male terrorist wa watch list, like a Unabomber right. list. Early Christmas present to your father, fake stamps. You say, hey, I got these novelty stamps for you the, from your favorite television show, uh, The Pretender. Remember with Jared? <laughs> you love that show. So I got you some Pretender stamps, and, but they're legal. So go ahead and use those. Oops, a daisy shipped right back to your dad just in time. Well, Justin, Travis, Griffin, I think we're, uh, we're all leaving this better people than we were on our way in, huh? I would argue that we saved Christmas. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me on the Bullseye Holiday Special. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. Bye. Bye. Happy holidays. 
Justin, Travis, and Griffin McElroy. They're the hosts of the astonishing smash hit podcasts, My Brother, My Brother and Me, The Adventure Zone, and many more here at MaximumFun.org. There's also a My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show. You can watch the first season of it. Follow the link on the Bullseye page at MaximumFun.org. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. When you watch Jane Lynch, you pretty much always know you're in for something really funny. You might know her from Glee, from movies like The 40-Year-Old Virgin. But when she's in a Christopher Guest movie, she really stands out. She's played a lifelong pedigreed fancy dog trainer in Best in Show, the judge of a mascot competition in Guest's most recent mascots. And did you know that she can sing, too? For years now, Jane has sung original swing tunes and standards all over the country with a full band in the whole nine yards. When we talked last year, Jane and her band had just recorded their first ever Christmas album. It's called A Swingin' Little Christmas. It's out now. Let's take a listen to the title track. Jane Lynch, welcome to the Bullseye Holiday Special. Thank it's great you. to see you. Oh, it's so great to see you too. Thanks. You're really singing your butt off on this record. Yeah, and I, as I'm listening to it, going, where did we breathe? Because we're performing that live now, going like this. <laughs> I like that you took your celebrity from Glee. Yeah. And I think the last time we spoke, the celebrity from Glee had just, was just, just blossoming. Break. Yes, indeed. It had just, it just pierced through the uh, ground. You had just gone from like 20 years as a working actor mm-hmm. to Angry. famous person uh, completely exact by surprise. Bitter. Yes, exactly. And I'm glad I, I'm glad that you took your uh, your fame and financial security and decided to launch a cabaret act. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, yeah. It's clear that the whole time you were just like, if I can just get on stage and sing. Yeah, that's exactly the reason for the whole trajectory. Now I will do a cabaret show. <laughs> Was it uh, was it precipitated by all, all the volume of singing that uh, was going on on Glee or from being on Broadway? That was like one of the yeah, first probably. things you did. It's probably the Broadway thing. I mean, and the Glee thing, too, um, probably started it. But I, I've always loved singing. I've done um, been in sketch comedy shows since, you know, my my late 20s. And we always do a silly little musical number. And we were usually quite musically good, but it was funny. And then, of course, Annie as well, doing Annie on Broadway. I don't always enjoy watching uh, musical theater particularly. Mm-hmm. I have to admit. One of those. Okay. Whatever. I'm not against it. I, I'm not against it. Good. I just don't... It, it, has to, it has to really work for it to work for me as an audience member. I get you, yeah. But mm-hmm. if you said to me right now, Here's a part in a musical. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> All over it. I can't sing, I can't dance, but it is fun. It's so much fun. It, the doing Annie was like I got bitten by the theater bug again. I hadn't been on stage in a very, very long time. And uh, I, I was up there with all these people, and we all loved each other, and we all had little, you know, inside jokes, and we'd look at each other, and ha, 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 and we all hated the children. And <laughs> it was really fun. We didn't hate the children. They were great kids. Um, that's kind of led 
directly to uh, 54 Below, which is a cabaret space in New York, asking me if I wanted four nights to do my act, which I didn't have. Most Broadway people have an act. So I grabbed Kate Flannery, who was Meredith the Drunk in the office, and said, let's do a show. And it led to this thing, that record you just played. Kate Flannery does have an act. Kate Flannery is a great great singer, sings with a comedy group called The Lampshades. Mm -hmm. When you agreed to have a cabaret act, was it a daunting prospect? Yeah, it was like, what What am I doing? I don't know how to do this. And um, I knew, but it was something I wanted to do. There was something stronger inside of me screaming yes than the, than the pretty loud voice saying no. So I said yes. And, of course, I, I called Kate right away. We'd been singing on and off together for a long time. And um, uh, so we, we knew, you know, she's a legit singer. She's a legit yeah, she's she a throwback. Really blow, yeah. yeah, and she's a throwback. She can sing like the you know the 40s, 50s and early 60s which this Christmas album is basically a retro album of that period and it's one of my favorite too. So so I brought Kate along and she and then I hear people like cracking up as I'm singing this song and I look back and she is the shenanigans <laughs> just and so thus was born kind of Kind of a, a, a heighten and explore of what was already our dynamic, which is kind of an Eve Arden, Kay Ballard kind of thing, where Eve Arden is the tall, like, disapproving one, and Kay Ballard's the loud, you know, wacky Italian, even though Kate is Irish. I mean, one of the things about singing on stage, and singing in general, is that it requires shamelessness in a way that even comedy doesn't necessarily like you have to yes i see what you mean you can't sing on stage without putting all of yourself into it there's no holding back and if you are you they can tell yeah anybody can tell you can feel it um yeah you know i remember that i saw a picture of myself and i was holding the mic and my eyes were closed and i was my head was back and i was like wow you really think you're a singer it's really exposing it's almost like dancing in a way too it's almost like you take all of your clothes off and you say, check this out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nude kind of a thing. Do you like Christmas music? I do, yeah. I haven't for a while, though. I will be perfectly honest. You, like, took a break from liking it? Yeah, but as an adult. I used to love it as a kid. I had this thing about wanting to get the Christmas spirit when I was a kid, and I used to dim the lights and turn on the Christmas tree and turn on the music and sit there and wait for it to come, and then, you know, it wouldn't come. And so I kind of got turned off by it, and I think Christmas is, goes on far too long, says the woman who started pushing her album November 1st. <laughs> I think, I'm still I'm still impressed by this Christmas séance that you're holding. <laughs> like it sounds like you're like a, you're like Lenny Kravitz's producer and you're like trying yes, to get right. the studio ready for Lenny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Turn on the lights. <laughs> I know. Let's burn some incense. I was trying to get the Christmas spirit. Put some scarves on the lamps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What did you think Christmas was supposed to be that you weren't getting as a kid? This magical thing where you're filled with joy. It's what we chase when we have a beer, <laughs> when we smoke a joint. Um, when I get my coffee in the morning, we're chasing that thing, you know, that place of bliss. You you grew up in the Midwest, right? I do. Yeah, Chicago. So it was it was like a snow. Snowy, like Chicago yeah. is sort of a Christmas place. It to is. Me. It, no one does Christmas like Chicago. I've been saying that in all the interviews lately. It but might it's just true. be. It might just be because I watched Home Alone a lot as a kid <laughs> that I believe that it is. But... It's a beautiful. It, the city really does it up. And I'm from the suburbs, and we did it up too. What did you? Uh, think Christmas could be like what was the thing that you imagined that you were trying to achieve? Oh, it's it's the whole that's the thing when the Grinch's heart gets bigger, 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 and then almost explodes, or does it explode? I'm trying to remember, and it's what happens to um, Ebenezer Scrooge. Merry Christmas! You know, it's that thing where your heart just fills with joy. 
And there's nothing worse than December 26th when all the lights are still up. It didn't happen. The joy didn't happen. And as an adult, I just didn't even bother putting this stuff up. I was like, oh, this is crazy. So this is kind of my reentry as a sane adult individual into the beauty of this music and the beauty of what this season, which we should have, you know, 24-7. You know, once you get past the your hate of religion, um, there, there's just beautiful sentiment, you know. That, I don't think that's uh, a universal condition. <laughs> I guess but... not. <laughs> I don't, and in fact, I don't have a hate that was just for comedy purposes. Just um, don't, I don't buy into it. <laughs> well, let's hear some more music from Jane Lynch's new Christmas album. Uh, let's hear Jingle Bells. I mean, that's a classic. <laughs> Did spending your summer with Christmas mm-hmm. change your feelings about Christmas this year? No, it didn't. It, it well, I guess let, let's say how it did. Um, uh, it is something that um, can happen all year long because I got into the Christmas quote unquote spirit in over the summer doing this, and mainly because I love music so much. So, is it Christmas spirit or is it music spirit? I don't know. But I was a very nice person while we were doing this. I was very happy and couldn't wait to get to the studio. And enjoyed the entire process and then listening to this album like the first time I got to hear it after it went through all the processes of being mastered and and balanced or whatever those people do. Um, I was so proud of it. I'm And pride isn't even the word because I don't even really kind of feel like I did anything. I feel like we all just had a beautiful intention and some skill and, you know, the muse took over truly. You know, you were, you were on the show – Years and years ago, um, like I don't something like six years ago or something like that, and um, right. at the time, uh, you had just become both a famous person and a famous <laughs> gay person. <laughs> we talked about your coming out, which involved basically people noticing that you had never been in the closet, yeah, right. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, and. Um, I've just been curious, like, how do you feel about this five years of being a famous gay person with capital letters at the beginning of each word? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I feel like your celebrity, in a way, was part of a real turning point in the way that public culture addresses uh, homosexuality, LGBT Q issues generally, mm-hmm. you are one of the first people to become a legit famous person who wasn't required to have the press conference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like you know, Ellen really took one for the team. Yeah, you know, she um, it became a big deal. America loved her, and then found out she was gay, and and so she it was she was obliged to. I don't know if she want. I know she didn't. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I can't imagine she would have wanted to have that Ellen episode where I'm coming out, um, the the TV show, and then that went away, and she's now like became the face of American Express and has one of the the most popular daytime 
talk show, perhaps the most popular, I would imagine. She is like a dynasty. People friggin' love her. She makes, she's making bed sheets now, and people are eating they them love up. Her as long as she does that dance at the beginning the, of the yeah, show. The dance in the beginning. <laughs> I know a couple of people that worked on the show <laughs> when she stopped doing that dance for like four days. Yeah. And it was it was cataclysmic. <laughs> I bet. I'll bet. And I think she probably got tired of it and wanted to move on, <laughs> and, but America wouldn't let her. Being, yeah. And I love watching, you know, I'll drive by uh, Warner Brothers sometimes and you see the audience in line and it's all Midwestern ladies who have flown out here to be in the audience of that show, excited as hell to dance with Ellen. And they're probably all maybe 10 years ago would have been like, ooh, lesbians. Right. No, not at all anymore. They love her. So I was the beneficiary for sure because I don't, I don't know that I would have had the um, – the courage. I had a lot of shame about my sexuality when I was younger. And if I thought that I was going to have to like say, yeah, I'm an actress, but I'm gay. Oh, I, I would, that would have scared the hell out of me. So, you know, this, this path was kind of paved um, people like Rosie and they came through with a machete and I just walked walked through the, the, the jungle unmolested. <laughs> Did, um, how much younger are we talking about? Did you have a lot of shame? I guess I'm wondering like, um, I guess I'm wondering if partly like the surprise that happened when you became uh, like a public person rather than just a working entertainer, mm-hmm. um, it was like, well, I got to be the person I am because there's not another choice now. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of it. And also I, I felt safe. I felt safe in my own self about it. And I felt, you know, safe in the world. So I wasn't um, I wasn't concerned about hiding anything. Or, 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 you know, standing up and, you know, having a press conference that probably nobody would attend. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Christmas. Do you have fond Christmas memories or are all your Christmas memories about failing to achieve the state of, of Christmas? That... There are a lot of them about failing to achieve. Let's see. As I got older, um, you know, and I, when I was living as an adult in Chicago and I would have to go back to... It just wasn't anything. It was a non-event. You know, I'd have to go back to the suburbs to have. And it was and I, I certainly didn't decorate my house or anything like that. I still don't. Um, I leave that to my sister who, like, creates a Christmas village <laughs> in her home. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't have that. But I, I must say I enjoy it. But just for those four or five days. And then, like I said, December 26th, it, I'm I'm home and it's over and it's behind me. And I don't want to hear the music, and this is terrible, a person who just released a Christmas album. I don't want to hear it for more than like a week. Right. Um, but maybe now it'll be different that I love this album so much. What was the composition of your family when you were a kid? Were your folks together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was your extended family around? Like, yeah. Was oh, Christmas yeah. a time when everybody was there? Yes. I'll give you some great memories. When I was in high school, um, I have an older sister, a younger brother, and we were all in high school at the same time. Uh, and um, my parents loved to sing. My dad was a harmonizer, and my mom would do the melody, and we loved Christmas carols. And we used to have, for about four years there, we had a, an open house Christmas Eve party where all of my friends, my sister's friends, and my brother's – my brother and like two friends. He was a bit of a stoner um, – would come and um, to the house. And my parents, all of my parents' friends, and um, Andrea Climac would play the piano. And we had a piano at our house, and we would sing carols, and we would drink. And, oh, it was so much fun. My my uh, my father's family would come my mother's family would come and it would be just a huge open house those thing those nights were a blast are you prepared to uh get in the holiday spirit like every year from here on out are we going to have an 
Amy Mann, Brian Setzer style <laughs> touring holiday show? Uh, yes, we are. We actually are. We have some shows booked for next year. We did three nights at the Nico where we performed the album and um, uh, just this past weekend in San Francisco, and it was so fun. And now we're booked for San, uh, uh, Portland and Seattle for next next Christmas. Are you going to wear Christmas outfits? We kind of do. We kind of wear red and black. Yeah, we kind of do it. Kind of do it up. You can imagine Kate. You know, she's got this like taffeta, <laughs> bright red taffeta uh, dress from, you know, like the 1950, 50, late 50s. And she looks great. And Tim wears his black tuxedo with bright red tie. And I just look like a lesbian in red. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found my style yet. They're so great with their style. I, I try. It's like, how, how do I how do I wear a suit and look? Retro. I guess I could look retro like a guy. So maybe I wear a skinny little tie. Well, there is one thing about the aesthetics of Christmas Mm -hmm. that always makes me uncomfortable, which is that if you are living in this elegiac, reverent of the past world, Mm -hmm. whether it's about 1955 or about Victorian times. Right. I'd say those are probably the top two categories of. Yeah, I would say so too. Invented Christmas memories. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Oh, the Victorian. Oh, I right. thought you know, like Victorian yeah, Christmas or like, like the, uh, Ebenezer or like Scrooge's Ozzie and Harriet Christmas. Okay. Right. Yes, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are things where you are imagining them as a simpler and purer time. Right. But they're also. Uh, darker and more hateful time. I mean, there wasn't a lot of... Uh, but black and white was simpler back then. Too. Lesbian. Oh, yeah, right. Lesbian, lesbian now, fashion oh, considerations in 1954. There's no place for me to go back to derive. Now, I don't always dress like a lesbian, but I, I won't wear a dress. So that, if I'm going to do the whole uh, retro thing, I have to wear a dress, but I'm not going to. So do I want to do it like in, in a drag, like look like... Tim. I think you would look. I think you would look great in uh, in a tailored tuxedo, not Maybe. a men, not a men's tuxedo, yeah. but uh, you know, the, you can alter a tuxedo for a woman's. Oh body. yeah, oh they make them. They make, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I'll go that route next. I time. think you look fantastic. Well, thank you. I mean, the other option. Hmm. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, Santa suit. I, I knew you were going there. As long as it's not in the primary uh, red, I don't like that color. I like it to have a little Cabernet in it or a little Merlot. Or just whatever plus reindeer horns. (laughs) Exactly. That light, please. Kind of go on and off with the lights. That'd be nice. Well, Jane Lynch, thank you so much for thank My you so pleasure. much for taking the time and coming on the show. I just uh, so love your work, and it's such a lovely album. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's go out on some more music from Jane Lynch's new Christmas album. Let's hear Winter's Never Cold When oh, You're there Around. You go. There you go. The air is cold. It's ten below The driveway's buried under snow But winter's never cold when you're around Jane Lynch. Give her Christmas album a listen. If you haven't, it's a lot of fun. It's called A Swingin' Little Christmas. You can find it pretty much anywhere you buy music. But winter's never cold when you're around. That's all for this week's Bullseye. Our show is recorded at MaximumFun.org headquarters, overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California. MacArthur Park is an epicenter 
of care for people who are less fortunate here in Los Angeles. So we just want to give a holiday shout out to the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank, our pals, uh, the folks from the Dream Center, the folks from LAMP, everybody who is helping people who need a hand this holiday season and all year round in our neighborhood. Our show, produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our producer is Kevin Ferguson. He had help from Christian Duenas and Casey O'Brien this week. Production fellow for MaximumFun.org is Jesus Ambrosio. Our senior producer at MaxFun is Laura Swisher. All our interstitial music is provided by Dan Wally. Our theme was recorded by the Go Team and provided to us by Memphis Industries. If you'd like to hear any of our past shows, all of them are free. Just go to MaximumFun.org. And while you're at it, check out the Bullseye page on Facebook. We'll share all of our interviews with you there. Some cool stuff we found on the internet. Uh, I just posted this blazing 10-minute-long freestyle that uh, Black Thought did on Hot 97 in New York with Funkmaster Flex. It is just outrageous how good that dude is at rapping. That dude has bars on bars on bars on bars. And you know what? While we're at it, I'll probably, for the holiday season, post my favorite Christmas song. Uh, It's from Santa Claus vs. the Martians. Uh, and it goes S A N T A C L A U S Hooray for Santa Claus. Do 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 do. It's a great song. Okay, I guess that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.